Welcome back to the Barbell Medicine Podcast, where we bring modern medicine to strength and conditioning and strength and conditioning to modern medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Jordan Feigenbaum, and this is episode 133, Talking with Coop. If you don't know who Coop is, Coop is the guy behind Garage Gym Reviews. Garage Gym Reviews is a company, a social media juggernaut, if you will, uh, that's all about, you know, how to build a home gym and gym equipment and all all sort of training gear related stuff, which is really cool. Uh, this is a different type of podcast. We're going to be doing um, a few more of these uh, just to kind of mix it up between full-on science-heavy podcasts, which I think have their place, especially if we were trying to you know, uh, spread information, uh, good information in this industry. Uh, and also, you know, get to know some folks in this industry who we think are putting out quality material and have uh, some, some, some useful stuff to share with our audience. Um, in any case, this is a pretty conversational sort of podcast. We talk about the origins of Garage Gym Reviews and um, kind of what he's doing. And we talk about equipment, a lot of stuff about equipment. We talk a lot about training too. So there's some training pearls in there for you folks who are you know, only going to listen to a podcast if you take something useful away from it. I promise you there's some useful stuff in here. And uh, if you're trying to find out more about Coop and Garage Gym Reviews, uh, I put links to all of his uh, social media pages and contact info in the description below. So check that out. And uh, yeah, let's get into it. Hi, my name is Cooper Mitchell. People on the internet call me Coop. And I review gym equipment for a living through Garage Gym Reviews, where we help people build home gyms they never want to leave. It's actually perfect. Honestly, like you are pandemic proof because you you just <laughs> you want people to stay at home and lift weights. So it's it's the it's the best. So Coop, how uh how long have you been doing garage gym reviews? Yeah, so I started garage gym reviews, let's see here. It's been about 8 years now. Um it started as very much a hobby and it's grown into a beast now that I'm trying to contain, but yeah, about 8 years. And you do that full time. That's your that's your baby. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm probably like you kind of a serial entrepreneur type a always trying to do something more and new. And like, my problem is not doing more. My problem is like focusing on what I've got. So I've got a, like a personal training studio and I've got some other content stuff I do, but garage and reviews takes a majority of my time. Um, yeah. it's what I spend most of my efforts on. And you're coaching people in person still or. I'm not, I've, I've never coached people in person. I've oh, got okay. a partner who he, he does all the coaching and, and training. Um, and I'm kind of just like the financial backer and do marketing and, you know, that kind of stuff. I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm not good at. I also know what I like to do, what I don't like to do. And I do not like training people like sure. that to me, like sounds like, yeah, yeah. awful time. So it's, I do miss it sometimes. That's where I started. I started like as yeah. a full time. And because uh, as it turns out, when you graduate with a biology degree, you know, everyone's, you got to go to college, get a degree. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to pick the least useful one. I'm going to <laughs> get a biology degree. And it's not use, you know, from a utility standpoint, it's not like the education was bad. You know, yeah. it's hard science, you learn stuff. And I felt like I picked up a lot of scientific knowledge. But the point is, you can't really do anything with it unless you're going to a graduate into a graduate program. You can't teach biology. You need a master's or higher. You can't go to, you know, you obviously can't be a doctor or PT or, or you know, whatever, because you got to go to professional school. So uh, yeah, in hindsight, I don't know what I would have done differently. Maybe like a math degree. I guess you okay. could be like an actuary or something or like, mm -hmm. yeah. I don't know, not that I would have loved that. I, yeah. Who's, who's to say? Um, well, so, my degree, my degree was in finance and I didn't like the reason I went into finance is my, I was, I was copywriting for my dad's insurance firm. And I was like writing direct mailers for him. Cause I had read some like copywriting books 
And I was like, oh, let me try and use some of this knowledge. And then I was like, oh, I'll go into finance because like, I want to make money. Maybe sure, I'll learn about money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'll learn about money, you know? And uh, yeah, I, I, I don't do anything with finance except for personal finance, but I'm glad, I'm glad I went through it. So yeah, it's a good background. But how do you get from there to, I mean, you, I, I assume now we'll just see how close I am. All right. Okay. I've yeah. done, a, I've done a modicum of research here, but all right. <laughs> okay. I just assume that, you know, like men of a certain age or people of a certain age, you just get into training and then you're like, mm, I'd like to do this at home. And then, and then you're building a home gym and you're like, well, how do I build a home gym? And you're like, there's nothing out here on this. And then I think anybody who's ever built a home gym, uh, particularly one that's like very well outfitted gets kind of bit by the gear bug. And you're like, oh man, all this cool stuff exists. But like, (laughs) but nothing was collated, right? Like, you know, when I built my first home gym, when I was in medical school, like rogue, rogue was a, uh, like not just starting, but like that was the only place you could get stuff from, it was still relatively new. Before that, when I had a gym in St. Louis, you're ordering stuff from like Perform Better or like (laughs) York, and you're sending either a money order or mailing a physical check in an envelope, (laughs) waiting for weeks for stuff to like show up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, obviously it's much, much different. Um, So how did you get into like Garage Gym Reviews? how How did that come about? Yeah. So like I said, uh, I was a finance degree and I'd love to like revise history and say, you know, I, I really just wanted to help people. And my goal was just to <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. you know, help people move more. And I think that's like the glorified version of everybody who's become successful story. But the reality was it was very self, like it was selfish motivation. Um, I one really enjoyed training and I wanted to do it more Two, I've always been a gearhead. You know, I just like gear. I noticed you like you like gear too. It's just like, if you if if there's one thing you like gear in, you're gonna like it in everything because that's just the mindset you have. So you're a product guy. You like look at the details, all that sort of thing. So this was just a, a place in which I could apply that. Three, um, I had a financial planning practice, and there's a lot of red tape in marketing financial planning. Oh, so I was like, well, maybe I will start a blog for a hobby I like, take some principles from that, and then apply it to like my real business that I'm actually going to try and grow. And this thing will kind of just be on the side. So that's why originally I started the website garage and reviews. Cause I was like, I'm going to learn how to do internet marketing and get clients for my real business by taking some of these principles that work, building email lists, all that sort of thing and mm-hmm. apply it to my real business. So, it all started though back in the day when my dad had a at a garage gym growing up. So he was a power lifter. Uh, he had a 750 squat at 220, really strong, Ooh. really, you know, I mean, just like that was That's his thing. Flex. Yeah, power. Yeah, I don't lift that. Powerlifting USA magazines all over the coffee table. You know, West Side uh, Deadlift Secrets, VHS tapes with Louis Simmons a- in the background. You know, it's just amazing. like it was. Yeah, in, it was ingrained in me. I got to the garage. My dad had like welded equipment and chalk and Metallica playing. You know, it's just like ah, this is like you know I was bathed by it. Um, sure. But but uh, that kind of culminated with the fact that I played college hockey, and so I had played college hockey. I was trying to train for that, train more often. My, I had known about the garage gym. I had been a part of it and there was nobody really talking about it online. So I was like, all right, let's do something where I can market this online. And so I, you know, bought the domain garagegymreviews.com um, after buying a couple other domains and like, I don't know, I don't want that one. Okay. I'll go with this one, which by the way, I own like 500 domains. You may be similar. It's like, yeah, I, have I a just bunch. like, yeah, it's like, I'm going to use these eventually. Like I have one called the world's coolest.com. Like thinking like, no, oh, maybe I'll use this someday. Yeah. I can't believe I found it, but I, they just sit there, you know, um, you know 
You know what's strange is that I, I've I've purchased I don't know what the weirdest domain that I've purchased and well I do know yeah I purchased basicbro.com okay I'll, that's a good one yeah because I thought it'd be a satirical site you know yeah. dedicated to like Ed Hardy or something <laughs> I don't know but yeah. uh, I let it expire but here's the interesting thing I tried to get my own name so just jordanfeigenbaum.com. It, somebody already has it and they wanted a, a, an absurd amount of money. I mean, for me, cause I don't care. I'm like, look, no one's going to jordanfeigenbaum.com. They can't spell <laughs> Feigenbaum. Like it's just, it's not a good domain and I'm yeah. not paying what you want for it. Um, no, that's cool. That's actually a similar, uh, as far as like the do me getting the domain for barbell medicine kind of generated the interest to like start doing stuff. But I actually didn't know that it was going to be a business business until later on. It was more like, I mean, I was in medical school and I thought it was just going to be a hobby. Like I could put out my thoughts on like exercise, fitness, public health promotion, the intersection between medicine and exercise science. That'd yeah. be cool. Maybe useful yep. even. And then like, I'm like, oh shoot, it's a, it's a business. Yeah. <laughs> well, that that's the same thing with like garage gym reviews. I never thought, I didn't even know how you monetize, you know, things yeah. on the internet. I didn't even know it was a reality. And then, you know, we had, I had created like this, I'd call it my portfolio. It was like all these reviews that I'd done and I just wanted some free equipment. So I'd like send it to companies, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm pretty, I'll be honest, you know, like I was like, man, maybe I can get some massage balls or something, you know, yeah, like right. I can get like a jump rope. So I'd like send it, like I wrote this review on this Aleco bar and I like sent it to this like rad roller company or something, somebody that makes some, you know, goofy thing. And I was like, Hey, like I wrote this in-depth review. I'd love to do it on your product. All I need is your product to do it on. And so could you send it to me? And so I'd get it in. And I remember like getting it in and my wife was there and we'd open it up. It was like, how is this like even possible that yeah. this could happen? And then these companies would be like, you know, like if you send us business, like we'll, we'll pay you for sending us business for sending us all these, you know, these backlinks and like sending business to us. And so it was like, Oh, I can do that too. So I was like, Oh, well, they'll do that. And so over time it just kind of escalated. Do you do any of the unboxing like stuff like the, cause Some, from like an ASMR standpoint, like I really like that. Like I just, yeah. Wanna, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, totally. I totally get it. I'm like that too. I like, I like have these like weird niches that I'm like, I'm a part of that nobody knows. I just like lurk and watch them. Uh, yeah. And one of those is like unboxing stuff, like unboxing shoes and tech oh, and stuff. Love yeah. it. So I do the same thing sometimes with like weight plates, like Rogue came out with their deep dish plates. And I was like, this would be a great product to unbox. The only problem, and I've talked to these companies a thousand times and nobody's really gotten it yet. None of these companies are making like a unique box for the equipment. No. Like the packaging is trash. Oh yeah. yeah. You like, you open an Apple box and it's like, that's part of the experience. It's like everything about it is just like clean. It's well, really well thought through. Nobody's yeah. doing that with, with gym equipment. I'm like, I no. could generate so much more reviews or so much more views on this stuff. If you guys would just send it in something other than cardboard. So yeah, maybe like from, an, from an environmental standpoint, I, I kind of get it. <laughs> although I don't understand really the ecological dynamics of, cardboard but can you imagine if like you ordered a competition Aleiko barbell and it came in like the equivalent of an apple iphone box incredible. just the touch points and like you open there's like a card signed by you know some swedish dude or or you know somebody some person who worked in the Aleiko factory and was like coop you know love your work <laughs> yeah. this was inspected by so and so enjoy man that would be cool yeah, I, just, I don't know that people would buy more, but they'd feel better about buying it for sure. Oh, well, well, Aleco, they've got the margins to do it. They're the perfect <laughs> company that could do something like yeah, that, yeah. you know, like why not? They could definitely send something that has that feel and touch. And the person who's buying that product, 
they are used to and want that experience. It's the same person who's buying a Porsche or BMW or Mercedes. They're not buying it because it gets them to point A to from point A to point B faster because right. we're all falling the speed limit. It's because they like the experience, <laughs> the premium experience. Yeah. So, you know, it's not like an Aleco barbell is going to make you lift more. Yeah. But they, they're buying it for that experience. So I think that would be – that's a good example. Yeah. So what people don't know is that being that my name is Jordan, I get to – and now you know being an entrepreneur and whatnot, I, I do have a, a shoe addiction. And, and okay. being a little – you know <laughs> – a little narcissistic. I have a Jordan shoe collection and some of the special edition Jordans come in like very cool, like packaging. And I just, yeah, I really enjoy that. Now imagine if your Romaleos came in a similar package, like if it was a limited edition, but it's not, it's not, they're just shoe boxes. But there uh, will, there will be somebody who rides that hype train and everybody will follow. It's going to happen. Like, I I feel like it's going to be like noble or somebody like somebody like that. Cause they get it. They're like, like, Look, yeah, we have this, you know, substandard shoe design, but what we can do is we can make, no, I'm just kidding. They're fine. They're fine. They're fine. No, I get not... it. yeah, they're lifters, dude. The, yeah. the, the, so when they initially came out with those, they called the heel a wooden heel and it's stacked leather. Like it was on their product page. Yeah. And so I emailed them. I was like, that's not a wooden heel. Like, you yeah. know, that's, just, that's just stacked leather. That's then been burnished. It's laminated. Like, yeah. Yeah, so they went back and changed the changed the the wording on the page, but I was like, it's just you know, it's a cheap shoe. I totally agree. I don't like those. No, and yeah, so like I got it wasn't a pre production pair, but it was like early production. And they were like handcrafted by like an expert or whatever. And it's like <laughs> made in Taiwan. I was like, what? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Anyway, it was a strange thing. I'm not. This is not a noble noble like bash sesh. I think that some of their lift some of their shoes are okay. I'm just. Oh, they look fan. great. Yeah, they look yeah. great. Their shoes look great, and you know their marketing's incredible. I mean, yep. go for them. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So you started this website kind of on a whim, just like side hustle, learn some internet marketing stuff. Um, what was the inflection point that like, you were like, I'm going to do this full time. Yeah. So, uh, I think the, the, what happened was I was, um, growing my like financial planning, investment management practice, you know, getting clients, uh, doing pretty well. Um, and I just didn't like it. It was like, <laughs> you know, it was like, I'm like 21, 22 years old trying to get like a 60 year old to like, trust me and move their money like to my practice. It was just like, Oh, pulling yeah. teeth, you know? And like, I'm really like eccentric and like charismatic outgoing. Like I just like being myself and I like sure. really dive into that stuff, you know? And I can't do that in finance. It's like, like I used to, I used to, I wore a monkey suit every day, like to make myself look older, I'd wear like fake glasses, like they're, they're glasses, but they, they didn't, they didn't have any, you know, they didn't like, oh, like vision's a- great. My vision's great, you know, but it made me look older. So everything I did was like, and I just felt like, you know, this isn't me. Like I'm not into this and I've got this side thing that's doing well and mm-hmm. I'm not putting hardly any time or effort into it and it's growing. Um, and I really enjoy doing it. And, you know, the, I think the most difficult part was I've always really, and it is like kind of a weird segue, but I've always really looked up to my dad and wanted approval and respect from my dad. You know, it was sure. like, I, I don't know. I just, I, I wanted him to look at what I did and be proud of me. And I always thought with like the internet thing, it was like, he doesn't know what that is. You know, is like, he loves yeah, telling yeah. people my son's a financial advisor, you know, it's like that thing. Um, and I kind of realized, you know what, like, it doesn't matter. Like, 
I'm sure my dad's going <laughs> to, you know, my dad's going to be happy regardless. So I took the plunge and, you know, my dad was like, I don't know what this is, but you know, like, you know, you're pretty creative. You're going to figure it out. So I decided to jump all in, put more time into it. And that was in 20 end of early 2019. Uh, I think is when I decided to really put time into it. And uh, yeah, we've just hockey stick since then. If you, uh, if it makes you feel any better, I I still don't think that my dad gets it. And you imagine his fear and he's like, you're a doctor. I'm sure dude, you're not going to do that. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Just like the internet's a big place as it turns out. So (laughs) yeah, yeah, for real. I think that, I think that's a big thing for people that are on the internet of our generation. Because sure. the the people previous, like they had no idea. It was like like they yeah. used the internet, but they're like YouTube. Like, what is YouTube? Like, you get paid through YouTube, you know? Yeah, yeah, it does make sense. Yeah. Like, so whenever we, ca- play, whenever we play golf together, he's like, it'll be some question. He's like, so I saw that you you posted this video on Instagram. Like, does Instagram pay you directly? <laughs> I'm like, no, no, I'm not on that yeah. yet. But uh, you know, yeah. it's just building a funnel and posting content that's useful to, to folks. Like that's all good. Makes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Yeah. Uh, so you love training, obviously. Oh I mean, yeah. It'd be weird if you didn't lift and you were just like the review guy. Well that, like, I mean, there's a lot of people on the internet that think that, I mean, every time I post a review, <laughs> yeah. it's like, dude, you don't look like you lift. Listen, like I want to put this out there. I would love to look like I lifted. Like sure. there's Same. nothing more than I would love to just shut the critics up but like that's for whatever reason. Well, I know the reason one is my genetics aren't that way. I'm not predisposed towards that. I've sure. got small joints. My dad was never big. Even when he squatted 750, like he wasn't that big. He like had a bunch of fat on him. Um, yeah. The other thing is I don't like to eat. I just don't, I don't eat enough. So like, there's like these, like I'm prioritizing all this different stuff. And the way I look is very low on the totem pole. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's kind of the reality where I'm at, but yeah, training, like, I wouldn't be in this if I didn't love the game. I mean, it's fun. Yeah. R- relatable because, you know, people, I, I think now I have transcended people are like, oh, you, you work out. I think then, you get the opposite. I think what you get is you get the, the haters on the other side who are like, oh, Jordan's juicing now. Oh yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, and oh, it's like, you, you can't win any, you can't win. There's no, no, there's no winning with these people. Well, I get, yeah, I get it both. I get that. And then on the other side, I get like, um, people like, so you've been lifting for like, you know, over 10 years and you're not that big. And I'm like, yeah, no, I know. I'm just, look, I've been trying for yeah. over a decade to get too big. And it's just, you Doesn't know, have it. yeah, 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 I get it. Yeah. Pluses and minuses. Uh, and then you did, did you end up running one of our templates like at some point? I think. Nope. I haven't ran. I haven't ran one of your templates. I know I'm really familiar with them. I've got a lot oh. of friends who you, there's so many people that in the community that use them bridge as I know is a huge one. Um, yeah. I've used like all your competitors, uh, but I'd love to run one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the bridge just went over five hundred thousand downloads, which I was My like, "Gosh, dude!" Which is crazy. I wrote that when I was in residency because the idea was people were like, "So, what do you like recommend?" After you know, after like a novice program, and I was like, "Well, there's so many different options." And I re- I'd written all these articles, and I was like, "I guess I should just come up with like this free template." But you know, it's not going to be. People aren't going to really like use it. And then meanwhile, <laughs> it's all over the place. So that's, it's been cool to kind of, to kind of do awesome. that. We used, yeah. We get questions all the time on the bridge and I'm like, dude, it's just a, it's just a program, but uh, <laughs> no, it's, that's been interesting. Uh, what are you doing now for training? Just Yeah. So, so like 
my training has to be kind of weird because I'm always testing new equipment like that takes precedence over my desire to just do the type of stuff I want to. So right now I'm testing a program called Future. It's a VC backed like app company. Nobody in the space knows about them except people in Silicon Valley. Um, they market like this, like Peloton athleisure type marketing, but their app deliverable is just amazing. They're two formal apps former Apple engineers. And like, this is one of the things that I think a lot of programmers in the space have, they haven't innovated enough on. And that is like the deliverable to the client. A lot of people, yeah. and I don't, I'm not sure what you guys are, you, you may be using eBooks or spreadsheets, but that's kind of the typical, or they're using like a, like a third party true coach or trainer book. And some of these are really nice, but I still think there's a lot that can be done in this space. And we've seen it with Peloton um, that's just provided their bike sucks, but the, the experience <laughs> is yeah, amazing. The and the community yeah. is good and, and yeah, all their. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so this company is trying to do something in that space. So I'm testing that. And I mean, my, my program always revolves around the squat deadlift bench overhead press with like variations. So it's like different sure. multi-grip bars, different equipment I'm throwing in, but I pretty much squat deadlift bench and overhead press, you know, once a week. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. We just, uh, over the last two years, we actually have been building this app, which is now we have our clients, uh, beta testing it. Sweet. Yeah. The whole, well, the whole thing was like, if we're going to build an app, it has to be unique. It can't just be like, yeah, this is your training. It, it needs to have some additional functionality to it to make it like stand out in a way. Yep. Cause I didn't want to just want to have something that I thought that I not only was I, I wouldn't use, but like mm -hmm. also wasn't unique. And, but the, but you're exactly right. The whole, you know, every time we have one of these like steering committee meetings, it's like, it has to feel good when you're in the app. Like it's got to look good. It's got to be like responsive. It's got to be, uh, pretty because yeah because uh, yeah, right now i mean we started with google sheets which okay i get it i can so build most a mean, people have i can build a mean spreadsheet with a bunch <laughs> of like cool functionality in it but it's still at the end of the day it's still excel you know yeah. and so people people are like this is kind of bulky and ugly and i don't like the google sheets app i'm like i get it i don't love it either <laughs> yeah so so as soon as uh, we can get some more people in there we'll you, you can play around with the old Okay. I'd love to, I'd love to, uh, I've got a question kind of on what you just said, if you don't mind, sure. you talked about, I know you guys are big on RPE yep. and you talked about velocity tracking. How do you, how do you foresee, what do you think the future of velocity tracking in like relation to RPE is? Do you think that will replace it? Like basically you're going to be taking the velocity of the bar or the move, you know, whatever it is you're tracking and you're going to base the uh, effort that was given on that number. And then like, change your programming thereafter because of that? Yeah. The idea is to, at some point have, it, it, it almost becomes like a, like an, not an algorithm as much as like a flow chart sort of thing. But, but the way I view the relationship between like velocity and, and exertion, so RPE, um, and there's a, an additional parameter called ROF rating of fatigue. So like how okay. fatigued are you feeling? Mm -hmm. The idea is that RPE kind of supersedes all of like, what are the objective metrics? Because let's just say you did a set, and the velocity objectively compared to previous efforts on that specific movement was high. So just based on that, you're like, oh yeah, I'm crushing it today. <laughs> but let's say that that set felt like a ton of bricks mm -hmm. or you have pain or you're super tired or like whatever, you know, emotionally you're depleted. It's like, okay, while, while your objective performance level without any other of these psychosocial factors is high, the psychosocial factors are 
inhibiting your ability to actually live up to that performance potential. So how do we get the correct amount of training stimulus for the day to meet you where you're at? Probably have to also take into consideration RPE, how fatigued you are, et cetera. Okay. And I, I don't know that you can predict that going into the session. Mm-hmm. So there were options like you'd have a drop down menu, like how sore are your legs? How much fatigue are you feeling? And like in your legs and in your pressing muscles in your uh, pulling, whatever you could like mm-hmm. do all this stuff. What's your energy level overall for the day? And then how does that predict? Like, can, can we make a program that's tailored to you for that particular day? Like we had a set of movements we we're going to do, but now we're going to adjust the volume, the intensity, you know, whatever. Uh, that's one option. But my, th- my thought is like, you don't really know how that session is going to go until you're in the session, right? It's like coming yeah. to a session hungover. You're like, <laughs> I'm just going to hope for the best. And it's like, and you might surprise yourself. So the idea is like, maybe you can use some of the stuff before a session to kind of tee up where we think you should be. And then intra-session sort of feedback kind of tailors like, the, the actual recommendation. That's okay. that's overall okay. where I'd like to go. Um, we, our previous one of our previous podcasts was basically on progressive loading. You know, people in the space call this progressive overload. Just you got to add weight, you got to add reps, you got to whatever, add something. Whereas the way we view it is that the that session, each particular training session's stress should meet you where you're at for that day, based on your performance potential, your fatigue tolerance, your yeah. And so, cause you don't want it too much and you don't want too little. So if your performance potential is high and you can tolerate a lot of training, well, you might do more that day and it might be heavier. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if it's down, it should be less to provide the right amount of stress. And so, yeah, a template, a program, a coach, it's all good, but it's gotta be the program itself. I feel like should be malleable okay. on a given day. And so how do you do that session to session? You got to have some feedback in there. Yep. So even though you hate coaching people in person, if you were, <laughs> someone came in, they, they look like they got, you know, they were out all night or they're super stressed out, they're frazzled, whatever. And then like you're observing the move and you're like, mm, it's not so great at this load. You would change stuff on the fly. Cool. So again, meet them where they're at. Well, how do I do that through an app? Yeah. Anyway, so that's the idea. Yep. Not, this isn't a plug for our future app, but that's just like yep. the direction that we're, we're headed in some ways. No, okay. I think that's I think that's the future. You know, we see AI, you know, taking over yep. a lot of things, a lot of these uh, feeling based, you know, and we can track we can track so much now with our phone, you know, like yep. the amount of calories you put in, the amount of calories you expend, like mm-hmm. and it's only going to get better and better. So utilizing that the people who utilize that now, um, I think, are going to be the ones who end up doing well five, 10 years from now. The other yeah, people absolutely. are kind of going to get left behind. I'm super excited to see how all the data rolls into just like you could probably, you're going to be able to glean stuff that you haven't been able to do that before, which is, yeah. Uh, Okay. So people are listening to this, the 30 minutes in or so. And uh, when this goes up, obviously we're still in the throes of a pandemic and they're like, look, man, my gym opens and closes, opens and closes. And like, I'm sick of it. I'm trying to build a home gym. What let's just start out with like the budget build. If you were trying to, 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 to help tell somebody who's training revolved around squat bench, deadlift press, here's the like lowest budget build that you could like reasonably do. And let's also assume that you have to pretty much the majority of the equipment you have to buy has to be new because everybody's local marketplace is going to be different and volatile and and whatever. And also people are getting price gouged. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Oh, you want a 45 pound plate? It's a hundred dollars. And you're left. Yeah. Yeah, totally. 
So what yeah, kind of bud- what kind of budget are we talking about for like a, a we'll call it a bare bones home gym? Yeah, I think you know you're looking at a squat stand with spotters or a power rack. You're looking at a barbell. You're looking at plates and like a flat bench. I mean, you could do just like you know, uh, what are they called? Uh, floor presses. <laughs> I don't know why I forgot <laughs> I guess about that. You don't need a bench. Yeah, you don't have to use them, but uh, you know, or you could use a wooden board on some uh, raw steel legs, which actually companies sell. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that's kind of what you're looking at. As far as like a bar, you're going to be paying. I mean, here's what I would recommend. I'd re- recommend a Rogue Ohio Power Bar. It's the best value barbell that's out there. Rogue, the economies of scale of Rogue, they, nobody can compete with them. So Correct. people can compete on higher tensile strength or like a cheaper imported bar, but a yeah. high quality, made in the USA, high tensile strength bar, like Rogue Ohio Power, power Bar is the king. It's the Toyota Camry of the barbell world. It's just that that's good, right. you know? Uh, so I would get a that, and you can get that for 265 or so. Uh, maybe 20 buck more bucks shipped to your door. So you're looking at, let's say 300 bucks. You can get a rack. I, I think, you know, to, I, I like the idea of having a spotter there. Mm-hmm. If you're doing low bar type squats, I think it's important. So a power rack is probably your best benefit. I don't think you have to go like this super high level power rack uh, with all these attachments and everything like that. I think it's sexy. I like that kind of stuff, but for most people, you don't really need that. Like, especially if like you're getting into the space, what I say is get in with like decent equipment that you can resell and upgrade over time or resell and get out and go back to your gym. So mm-hmm. again, I would go with like a rogue, a rep fitness or a sore neck, something like that, depending if you want made in the USA, depending on the quality level. But I get a, you know, a standard three by three gauge, three by three, 11 gauge post with, you know, five, eight inch holes. It's kind of like an industry standard that Mm -hmm. it's like open source, right? So you can always add these attachments to it. You can always expand it. Like people are always going to want that style of rack. It's modular. I'd go with something like that. So an RML 390 is Rogue's one. Uh, Rep ones is the Rep PR 4000. Sornex is Sornex Dark Horse. There's other companies out there, Frey Fitness, Titan Fitness, all those. But those are the kind of the ones I would look at. And then I would get plates. If you're buying new plates, the best priced iron plates right now are Rogue Deep Dish plates. Mm-hmm. Your your kind of like market may prefer a thinner plate because that wider plate does add whip to the bar. And if you're lifting kind of what you're lifting, you're going to actually feel that. So mm-hmm. if you want something that is uh, thinner, more expensive than the Strengthco plate is made in the USA. It's a fantastic plate that's also thin. Or you can go with like a Rogue calibrated plate, um, yeah. which is going to be a good price, too. So yeah, the, the price difference between their calibrated plates and like their cast plates are like it's not that much, which is. Mm-hmm. crazy to me but i guess they just made so many of the calibrated plates like that when they make runs it's just yeah they scale well uh, they're they're also importing those so the calibrated plates are imported probably from i i don't know if i can go on record to say this but i'm pretty sure it's in the same factory that the Leco calibrated plates are made in um yeah so and they're way cheaper than a Leco. a has got the are. name yeah yeah so <laughs> It's interesting. Do you think like when they were making the rogue calibrated plates, they originally were like, yeah, we want that same red. And then Alika was like, no, it's going to be, I don't know if it's trademarked or not, but like, like the, the Alika red is different than the Ivanko red, which is different mm-hmm. than the rogue red. And I'm like, why, yep. Yep. why didn't they just pick the same color? 
Yeah, that's a good question. You see that throughout bumper plates too. Like bumper plates are different shades of red and yellow yeah. and green. Yeah. It actually hurts my heart. Like when I'm like loading the bar and I'm like, damn it, they're different, different shades. I hate this. The reality is the QC on a lot of those plates is so bad that you'll even get different shaded plates from the same company saying, yeah. in the yeah. same order. Like yeah. when I order my, I've got a set of like, I think 560 kilogram uh, uh, calibrated plates. And there's all these different red ones, right? I got tons of reds. And they're, some of them are different shades than the others in the same company, you know, but they're, they're importing them from China. Like, you know, the quality control there isn't as good as they rogue would want it to be. So you get, you know, things fall through the cracks. Yeah. When I built my first home gym in med school, I just, there was a Lyco was the only game in town because Ivanko was out of stock for like, like they were going to be out of stock for like six months. And I'm like, how are you in business? It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Do you no, want to make I, money? Yeah. The Ivanko plates are fine. The gym that I go to now has the Ivanko plates. The only thing I don't like about them is they don't really, they don't, it, it looks like they either the sticker that they use to cover like that mass to like calibrate them either is a very low quality or non-existent. I can't quite tell <laughs> because the, a bunch of them are missing the, the calibration. I'm like, how much does this plate weigh? The whole point of having a calibrated plate is that it weighs what you exact. Yeah. Yeah. So I still have the Alico plates. And then, um, you know, I, I think this is a source of disagreement and it's fine. We can do this on there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I like three by three racks that are not the monster variety from rope. Yeah. So my fear of the monster, yeah, because they're too wide and the whole, especially if you're using like I have an Alico bar and then my other bar is a stainless steel Ohio power bar that also has the thin collars. And so it's like, you just hit the thing when you (laughs) come out and like, and like pin work starts to get dicey because you're like, have to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And so I, my pref, my, if I was buying like a budget rack, I'd almost get the R3 because for me, that's like all I need. And people are like, really? You just like the R3? It's so narrow. I'm like, I mean, I don't know. I'm just used to it. So no, that's a great point. That's actually something that a lot of people comment on the 49 inch width rogue. I don't know. You know, I think one reason they did it is because they were trying to differentiate themselves from Sornex and Sornex always had a 47 inch outside to outside width. And so rogue decided to do 49 inch. I think the other thing they were trying to do is they had the infinity monster light and monster line they were coming out with. Well, they wanted attachments to be kind of synonymous mm. between all the lines. So okay. in order for that to happen, the width on the outside width had to change between the two by three and the three by three. So, yeah. I mean, I kind of get it. Like I prefer a 47 inch width without a doubt. Cause I don't like, like, you know, like say I'm using a Texas power bar or something, that thing, the monster collars on there, it just wrecks the freaking rack. 100%. And it throws you off, especially if you're going for like a max lift and you're trying to time in your walkout and you're yeah. like, boom. And it's like, oh, you know, yeah. so you hit it. I get it. Yeah. yeah. So that, I totally get it. I think that was the problem with their, so Rogue, I was so excited when they were coming out with a combo rack. I was like, oh, finally. And this is, so we actually went to, when we were in Denmark last, we went to the ER rack. So the Eric Rasmussen, like factory, the factory, the ER factory, which is interesting because the actual factory where he builds and puts these things together it's smaller than the room that I'm in right now, like the actual (laughs) factory, because a lot of the stuff is like pre-made and it comes to him and he just does like the powder coating and assembly and then ships it out. But the gym that he has attached to it behind not only is immaculate and put together exactly how an engineer would want to, it's super clean, but it's seven times the size of his factory, which is crazy to me. I'm like, how is your, that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Um, but when, when rogue was coming out with the combo rack, I was so excited. I was like, look, nothing against ER, 
but I feel like Rogue's got the resources to maybe make, you know, reinvent the wheel here a little bit. And then the Alico rack, I don't feel is a, it's a small improvement over the ER rack, but it's literally twice, you know, two and a half times the oh, cost. Yeah. So I'm like, it's got to be a better option here. The Elite FTS combo rack is junk and I'm, and no offense to that. It's just, it could have done a better job. Yep. Uh, and so when the Rogue thing, I was so excited, but then it's three by three and it's 49 inches wide. <laughs> and, and, and as I'm told, they were going to use it at the Arnold. But the problem was with the co- competition bar, the pins got in the way, mm-hmm. like when they were benching. And so they couldn't use it. And I was like, did y'all not test this? Well, ro- Rogue <laughs> is the Rogue is the Ford of gym equipment. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah. bigger, faster. It's like they're not, they're just all about straightaway, right? It's like sprint cars. They're not sure, worried yeah. about turns like a Porsche. Like it's just like let's make it bigger and better. So yeah. like you see all their equipment, it's just like some of it's just like it. The, the term overbuilt is designed for them. Um, <laughs> you know, and so that's the game they play. I totally get it though. Have you, have you, by the way, have you seen a ghost strong, uh, yeah, they're great. Their stuff. Yeah. yeah. When the pandemic for like last year, I contacted them. I was like, look, I'd like to buy one of your combo racks and probably your incline attachment. And he was, and he was like, yeah, cool. It's going to be 16 weeks. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, but they do make great equipment. I, when we train, we had a seminar in Miami at hybrid and their whole gym is ghost stuff. And I, I did, I liked a lot of their equipment, particularly the, uh, uh, the J cups that they have that are rollers. Yeah. Return is, roller. Oh, oh, it's super smart, dude. And they have them yeah. in both plastic and metal. I've got one, I've got one of their, uh, combo racks and it's dude, it's just amazing. Everything about even the shipping, they ship them in these thing called shark crates. And it's like, dude, getting this thing out of there was like a job in itself. I mean, it's, yeah. it's just so overdone, but they're beautiful. They, yeah, they're nice. Yeah, they, they are. They're really good. Hopefully, I don't know if they're on the IPF approved, list right now but they're hopefully not. they will be because they're they're great yeah, um, your your old gym i remember seeing pictures of your old gym you had a red white and blue er rack yeah, right and an and r3 you, and okay a, yeah okay. And i had three platforms <laughs> which is that's what you need honestly just, <laughs> yeah, might as well <laughs> yeah, yeah but it, but it was all and it was all and i had two alico power bars one texas bar one uh ohio power bar and then a full alico comp weightlifting set because i thought if I ever want to do weightlifting, I don't want the barbell to be the problem. Right, dude. Story of my life. Yeah. <laughs> I remember Austin one time was like doing, he was setting up for rack pulls uh, or, or block pulls, block pulls. And he got out the Alico weightlifting bar. And I was like, no, you can't use that barbell. It's 1200 bucks, dude. And like, honestly, I understand that we're both like cleaning in the low 200s, you know, or high 200s, low 300s. But like, we can't do block pulls on this thing yeah the rec is 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 fine it's much better than the texas strength systems stuff which i think is you i think texas strength systems has a has a place in the market because it's substantially less expensive but and they for whatever reason always seem to have stock but it's like i think if you're gonna buy a combo rack in my opinion you can sign up for the you can get the ghost if you're not going to hold the meat you can get the er rack or if you're super super rich then don't listen to my opinion go get the alico like i don't know but i think you can't very well get the rogue one right now and feel good about it because it just not only can you not use it in a competition it's just it doesn't work with a competition setup and that's the whole reason why you're getting a combo rack exactly yep practice even though i love i love the rollers i love the bench i love their safeties it's just it's too wide. Is, yeah, I is hear that all the time. Yep, I hear it from other people. Yeah, I think it's a typical. 
What's uh what's in your home gym right now? Does it like is it modular in a way like you just keep replacing stuff? Or yeah, you just dude. Stuff? Like it's yeah, it's over. The, it's too much. It's annoying. Like to be honest, because it, it's like okay, I've got to have all these equipment because these tools are like what I like. It's what I do is review. Yeah. But what I want to use is like I'd love to just use a couple bars, you know, some specialty bars, a bench, a rack, and like some basic stuff. Um, so it's like, you know, definitely first world problems here, but I, <laughs> right. you know, but, uh, it's always just new stuff coming in, new stuff going out. Like it's gotten to the point where like, I've got a new rack in there every week. I've got new bars. Really? Yeah. It's yeah. Because the thing is like all these products, I want to have reviews on them. I want to review every product that's on the market. That's my goal is like the product comes out. I want to get a review on it. So I'm buying everything I can. Like I don't really flip anything. I kind of just keep everything because I like to compare everything. Sure. So like, you know, if gen one comes out and I review it, I'm not going to sell it because gen two will come out and I want to compare it or I want to compare it to something else that's out there. Hmm. So, you know, I see, I basically copied the model that tech reviewers have with phones. The difference is you can store 500 phones in a cabinet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've got to have all these racks. So I've got a three car garage that's just, I can't walk in it. I've got a shed that's just full of equipment. And then I've got the 3,000 square foot personal training studio that's just packed to the brim. And then I've got like 10 to 15 friends that have garage gyms. That's just my equipment that is just like there until I need it. My goal is within this next year is I'm going to build like a shop, like a 40 by 60, 50 by 80. And then mm -hmm. it's just going to be just equipment. And I won't have okay. this problem anymore. But right now it's like, you know, I've got, let's see here. I've got four or five racks in the garage that are set up. And I kind of have to move them around. They're on dollies sometimes. And then I've got, you know, I've got, we just released a adjustable dumbbell review where I bought all the ones that are popular. So I've got like 17 different adjustable dumbbells just like laying around the floor. Like, yeah, it's just like ridiculous. You would think that these companies would be keen to use our South Pacific, you know, friends nomenclature to just send you the stuff to get the review there. I mean, like, so, so the model I'm thinking of is not only in like big tech pages, but also in the golf, the golf world. So like a new driver comes out, mm -hmm. Titleist has a new driver, a new, whatever. They send all of these drivers and all of the like a company material. So different shafts and grips and whatever to mm -hmm. all of the top reviewers. And they all drop the YouTube video on the same day. Now I understand well, this, it's, yeah. this is different, but like, is Rogue calling you up and saying, Hey, we got a new rack coming out and, uh, <laughs> we're going to send it to you. And here there's an embargo on your media until this date and you can drop it on that date if you want. Yeah. So this happened, I've got contacts with every company. Okay. I'm in contact with all the owners. Like, you know, I know everybody, but the, the thing is the company, there are some companies that will send us stuff. I don't buy everything. There's certain companies, they won't send us anything. There's other companies that will send us stuff, but there's very few that will send it ahead of time because mm they aren't under the impression that all promotion is good promotion. Try to tell them this. I said, even if I, even if I say something negative about it, like I still say things that are positive about it. Sure. Regardless, because everything has positive and negative attributes. It's just yeah, yeah. And it depends on who the customer is, everything like that. So I'd love to have it ahead of time to like have a review come out at day of launch. And we've done that before and it's done very well, but yeah, getting yeah. some companies onto that track, they're so old school. They're just coming on to like e-commerce. Like some of them are so like yeah, they, don't, they don't get it. Archaic industry. Yeah. So like even the unboxing stuff, like that's a perfect example. So that 
that stuff will come and it does happen every once in a while, but it's not as much as it should. And, you know, you're a perfect example of somebody who gets it. Um, it'll happen. It's just not all the way there yet. Yeah. It's called hype guys. Right? Yeah, Trying exactly. And, and awareness of in the marketplace. Yeah. No, so so uh, this is actually an interesting story unrelated to barbells. Like if you guys are listening this far, obviously this is a different type of podcast. We're not talking about like a medical condition, but you know, we're mixing and matching here. Uh, so on one of the YouTube channels that I, I've subscribed to very few YouTube channels, I watch a lot of YouTube. Okay? Second biggest yeah. search engine, like whatever. I watch a lot of it, but I only subscribe to a few different channels because I don't want to get overwhelmed. So mm-hmm. Doug DeMuro is, you know, he does car reviews. This is yep. his thing. And he's might be one of the most successful like car review channels, millions of subs on both of his. He's got one channel, Doug DeMuro. The second channel is more Doug DeMuro. And it's like, how many <laughs> millions of subs like do you need? Uh, he's, he's selfish. Chevrolet, when the launch of the new C8 Corvette came out, would not let him attend the release because they didn't feel like he was official media because mm-hmm. he just has a YouTube channel. But meanwhile, like every review that he puts up, whether it's for a minivan, whether it's for a, the new Ferrari with 800 horsepower, whether it's for like a 10 year old, you know, special edition BMW gets millions of views in days. Yep. And he's like, you could take all of these pieces written by all of these official media people can combine the viewership and I'm still trumping them yep. in addition to being high quality media. That's like very viewable. And it's like, yeah. and he made the point. He's like, they just don't get it. The ex- car execs don't understand. Uh, they're not woke enough into like <laughs> this type of thing. So ideally, yeah, ideally you would get uh, the ha- ability to have the stuff at day of launch. Because again, if a, if a new rack, a new bar, new plates, new, whatever, dumb, new shoes, whatever drops. And there's already a review out there. Anybody who was on the fence about like, I'm in that segment. I want to get a barbell. Oh, a new barbell. Oh, interesting. A review. This makes me feel better about my purchase. Now I have additional buying confidence. I'm going to go buy that thing. Yeah. Um, this is yeah. the current, this is the current state of media. I mean, yeah. before yeah. it was, like, there was all these conglomerates and it was like, okay, you had like, okay, car and driver and they had all their people underneath them, but now it's individuals have their own like stakeholders and all these people that love them and like their own thing, like coop and garage and reviews is its own, like, yep. It's its own audience. It's not like under something else. So if you look at our videos, like our traffic to the website and videos and everything else produces more than the company releasing the product. It's in their interest to send us that stuff because people want honest reviews and honest opinions on it. Um, So yeah, like I totally agree. Like this is the state that we're currently in. It's just the companies that have latched onto this are the tech companies because they're farther ahead and all the other industries are still behind. Cars are a perfect example. And you can see why Tesla has done so much better with media than all these other companies that are like, like trying to withhold and like, you know, tell people how to work. Just let the creatives do the creative work and you'll be benefited by it. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you don't love every aspect of the yeah. review and be, and I think a lot of it's control. Cause you're like, I'm giving up control. I don't like this. Makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, we'll have to, we'll just have to start sending you anytime we release a new product, like a program or a book or like whatever, Sweet. we'll just send it to you and you'll just be like, <laughs> yeah, I like these things about it. But that Jordan guy, he's just a, <laughs> yeah. what a, what a jerk. Yeah. Beard's Which is fine. Yeah. Beard's too perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, a guy said to me, he, he's, we're built very similarly. We're like the same height, same level of general jacketude. <laughs> and the way I rationalize, I'm like, well, I'm a doctor, so it's fine. No, I got to find a way to like <laughs> to level up. No, um, but he goes, I have 
he goes, I have better hair than you. And I'm like, that's fine. My beard is better. It's like what I'm lacking up here. I, I bet better. Down exactly. Here. Yeah, that's why like, I have the mustache, dude. I'm making up for all the lost, lost hairs up top. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. What, uh, do you think your favorite piece of gym equipment that you either have currently or have ever had? Oh, this is a tough one. Uh, I think I, I actually, this one isn't that tough. My favorite piece of gym equipment. That's kind of like random is I've got a pair of rogue, um, rogue arnold plates that are used in the uh arnold strongman competition there's those only the pound, those are the 100 pound ones they're thing? 45 pounds they're 45 pounds they don't sell them there's only oh, okay. 30 or so pairs of them in the world oh, these wow. are the the first ones off the line oh, the reason wow. i got them is because basically i don't i can say part of this uh basically a former employee of some nature or former somebody that like worked with rogue this was maybe their severance package or they got them somehow. These were the first ones. They're kind of like scrap, like they're really okay. well done, but they're not perfect. These are the ones they tested on. And mm. so I was able to buy them from him. And uh, so, yeah, they're me, Arnold, Rogue Fitness, uh, the, the Stark Center in Texas, and maybe one other person are the only people who own them. So they're the, the chrome plates, right? Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. Those yeah. are cool. Yeah, I remember cool. seeing all Arnold their, on them. Yeah, I, I remember seeing all their media. I was like, "Those are cool." Yeah, well, the the the, the block itself it, to just machine the plate cost two thousand bucks just to machine wow. the plate. Yeah, wow. because it had so much. Like it just sits on a CNC for hours. Like it takes a day to do each plate. So yeah. they just made them just for this event. So yeah. man. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, my, my favorite piece is definitely not that rare. I mean, it's <laughs> rare in certain circles, but I have this Aleiko competition powerlifting bar that I bought in. I mean, it had to be over 10 years ago now, okay. but it's, it's perfect. And it is my favorite barbell Sweet. and, and it still has a sticker and people are like, Whoa, what is that? And I'm like, you know, it's, it's special. It's very special. <laughs> then people, cool. it was, so when people ask, they're like, you know, what's your favorite barbell? I'm like, well, that's it. It's the Aleiko powerlifting bar. If you're going to do powerlifting and you have, you're in the market for a premium barbell, but I'm just like, when people ask me what barbell to get, I'm like, well, what's your budget? If yep. it's around $300, you have two choices. Really? You have the Ohio power bar whether it's, yeah, or the Texas bar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you just got to pick like, what diameter do you want? What level of knurling do you want? And then like, what's, what's the finish? Do you, if you want to, yep. if you want a black oxide, stainless steel, whatever, that's, mm -hmm. those are your two things. Anything in the middle, if you came out with like a $600 barbell, it, you did no market research prior to making the barbell. Cause it's like, why <laughs> you're, you're in, the, you're in no man's land. Mm -hmm. Like, yep. because the, the rogue comp, like uh, Ohio power bar, the kilo version with the thin flange is approved. And that's 320 bucks or so. And then, or you have the Alico. Like if you what, got the. One bar I'd like to ask you on though. Have you used the Kabuki strength new gen bar? Yeah, it's okay. It's just okay. So, cause again, I compare it's a premium. It's a, it's a relatively premium barbell. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And I compare that to the Alico bar and I'm just and, like. And you like the Alico knurling that more than the, what do you like more about the Alico? Yeah. So I do like the knurling and okay. then the way it, the way it feels not only okay. on my back, but also in my hand. Yeah. Um, I think the bushing bearing also is maybe a little bit better or at least I'm more familiar with it, but like it the is. gym I'm it, at, it has better spin. Yeah. Yeah. The gym I'm at right now has two of the Kabuki bars, which cool. are fine. And I use yeah. them regularly, but, um, it, it, it is a good barbell, mm -hmm. but I don't, I just, I couldn't rationalize 
buying one. If Kabuki okay. wants to send me some barbells, <laughs> that's fine. Okay. <laughs> I don't know that I'm going to endorse all the rooting and bracing and all that sort of you know weird stuff. But like, if y'all want to send me some bars, it's fine. I, I'll tell you that my least favorite barbell is the Avanco, their competition bar. OBX. Because, yeah. Okay. One, it's expensive. Yeah. Two, the nearly the scoring marks are non-standard. Like mm-hmm. you're trying to figure out like where do I even place my hands? <laughs> I don't get it. And then the smooth part of the middle is narrower. So you're like your deadlift. You're just like I'm just committing myself to like murdering my shins. Yeah. On all the, it does. It which doesn't make sense to me. And and when you there was an interview with the Avanco like uh, the president like he started the company whatever and he and his whole thing he was like yeah every time you add a score mark to the barbell it increases its risk of failure and I'm like if that's true. <laughs> Why do you have three score marks? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Uh, and it's really spinny, which is weird because like if you walk out, I remember a one time I was using I was using it um, and I unracked it and I had like, I don't know, 550 on the bar or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I took a step out and you you feel the plates. Yeah. And I'm like, what the heck is this? More like Olympic weightlifting, not for yeah. powerlifting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Tom, one of our coaches, loves the BNR bar. Like the first edition, yeah, which is fine, I guess. But he like swears up and down and says that's the best barbell. And I'm like, I don't know the, if it's the, the 1.0. The 1.0 yeah, yeah, yeah. that was made by York. Yeah, that was which Rogue sold somehow. And how Bergner and Ripito became like, yeah, buddy, buddies on that always surprises me. Can you imagine that phone call? It's like, I all right, exactly, so what do you what do you want in a barbell? <laughs> and Bergner is like. 28 millimeter, no center knurling, you know, yeah. Olympic marks and marks like Very on the ends. Yeah. Center knurling, 29 millimeter pushing. <laughs> yeah. Powerlifting Raw score steel. marks. Raw yeah. Steel. Raw steel. And so then that gets to rogue and they're like, I guess we'll just do both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, the Kabuki, th- you know, I also think the Kabuki one feels a little stiffer than the Alico bar. And I don't it, know if that's true. It, it is dude. It's two fifty K tensile strength, which isn't like the, you know, it doesn't determine yeah. everything about the stiffness of the bar, but at 28, 29 millimeters it is, it's super stiff, dude. Yeah. It doesn't feel great. It just doesn't feel great for me. I mean, I've pulled in the mid six hundreds on it for reps and it's fine. Okay. It just, yeah. I think that the pitch of the, the neural eats my hands up more than the Alico. Yeah. And I don't necessarily, I've never dropped an Alico deadlift being like, damn, I wish that this <laughs> neuraling was, was more aggressive. On the other hand, like the Texas pow, the Texas deadlift bar yeah. pulling on that, that pitch is so deep. I'm just like, Oh, it's sharp dude. I'm shaving my hands and I'm like, I don't think I have fingerprints anymore. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, the bar, the bar that's the sharpest I've ever used is the elite FTS power bar. Oh, Basically, yeah. Dave Tate was like, all right, like they sent him some, this is a story I heard. They sent him some samples and he was like, I want it sharper. He's like, I just want it as sharp as, as possible. The sharper, the better. Mark. Yeah, exactly. Like that's basically the goal. And that's kind of lead FTS's take, you know, it's kind of hardcore. Like that's the thing. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense that their bar does that. I remember I, this is back in 2014 when I was in med school still. I did a SPF meet and they had three different barbells for the so one for the squat one for the bench one for the deadlift and the squat bar was like this wolf sport squat bar it was iron iron wolf iron wolf yeah yeah 
and it's like there's one center score mark and it's like i remember getting under it the first time and i'm like ow this is terrible <laughs> yeah. this is the worst thing and I've that's ever unloaded seen. yeah yeah i'm like oh yeah it's, getting my rack on. it's like oh my gosh yeah i was like god you just crushed my back and then there was a uh i don't know who made the it was like a competition bench press bar but it wasn't 45 pounds it was 55 pounds and i was like why like who is benching so much weight that they need a stiffer barbell you know yeah (laughs) and then and then finally the deadlift was a noodle it was like a straight up just an old texas deadlift bar that had been used like cycled like millions of times you pulled it to your knees for the weights leave the floor (laughs) it counts yeah yeah it's fine um okay now for a juicier topic okay what are your least favorite pieces of equipment okay yeah i have a good good list here too but okay yeah i actually have a topic i'd like to talk to you about that i think would be your least favorite but the um the equipment i least like uh there was a bench that titan fitness came out with it was an adjustable bench that they sold for 150 bucks it was like you know like they're just trying to get the budget friendly like people but they like it was the most wobbly piece of crap bench in the world. It had like a 200 pound capacity, including the person that was on it. Like okay. the, the, the rod that was used to like stiffen it up would just like, it was like tinfoil, dude. It was like, you lay on it with any bar. It's just like crumpling. You're just like shifting all over, you know, like, you know, this is something you would like. You're just really working your stabilizers. The yeah. Whole I love time that. Your yeah. Lift. yeah. <laughs> you pay extra for that. Uh, <laughs> But it just, you know, just like the crappiest thing ever. And I did a review on it. And my review, the written review was pros, cheap, cons. And there was like 20 oh. cons. Just like, <laughs> and Titan, Titan emailed me and they're like, we're removing the bench. We're upgrading it, making it better. So they don't sell that. They upgraded it. They don't sell that anymore. That was one. Um, and uh, I don't, oh, there was a, there was a rower, like skier type combo unit that came in that like the like the resistance was so inconsistent the monitor didn't work it was just like they were trying to make this compact unit but it was the same size as a rower and a skier separately but they put them into one so it was even more complicated it's just like ah, it just wasn't good so there's there's a bunch of random ones like that but there's not a ton that's like you know just absolutely awful i think yeah yeah yeah. i i get in like Whenever I were to purchase something, I just assume that it's going to be great. Like my default, <laughs> it's like, this is going to be great. But I've been surprised. So we already talked about the Monster Racks. I don't like it. Okay. Yep. Don't, if you were like, yeah, come check out my gym. It's awesome, man. But you have a Monster Rack. Like I may not say anything because I don't want to be a jerk, but I need you to know. I hate it. <laughs> the Also, when the Fat Pad came out. I, I was going to ask you about that it's the you worst you don't like i love that thing dude yeah i got it some people do the thing is and, and i i think that i am a larger than normal individual and my bench yeah. press is well oh yeah my, you know i bench some weight yeah you're but, on me well the thing is i like when i get on there like my arms hit the bench press okay like the actual bench and i'm like yep what what am I supposed to do with this? Helps with rebound, man. I get, yeah, exactly. I hit my triceps on the actual material and then I'm like, yeah, sick. Uh, and then rogue used to have, I don't know if they make this anymore. It, it was their original like box squat, like box. And the thing was like, oh, it's so big. I got so it. big and so heavy. And you're just like, and then it had these no wheels, big, no wheels. And the adjustment <laughs> on it, you like pulled out this, like, it's not a cotter key. It's like, like some thing. It was not pr- pr- like great. And it would always be uneven. And you're like, so not only to move it, 
was a pain in the butt, but to use it was a pain in the butt. And I was like, this is why you don't have to do box squats because this box, this box, this is the only box that's made me not want to do box squats ever. But it's bigger uh, and stronger, you know. It's overbuilt. Yeah. Uh, and then I think it might have been a Titan, their first version of their safety squat bar. Oh, so I, bad. That was another one I should have mentioned. The chrome one. Yeah. Yeah. So you like go down, you're like, whoa, God. Yeah, the camber angle is all off, dude. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> I remember yeah. I did. I had like 405 on there or something and I went down to the bottom and I was like, I feel like this thing's trying to kill me slash like leave my body, like flip off at the same time. And I'm unsure what to do with my hands. I can't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's like a handful of things that I buy and I'm just like, what? This is. Yeah. One uh, of those for me was the Spud Ink lap pull down. I don't know if you remember yeah. this. It's like a yeah. cable, you know, and it was like all the, the craze. Yeah. yeah. And, everybody, and it was like, they sold so many of those freaking things. And I got it in because I was like, all right, we'll do a review on it. But it's like it's not really a lap pull down. It's like, you can't get directly under it. You got to like angle at it. And it's like, you can, I made one for like 20 bucks. They're selling theirs for like 150 bucks. You know, it's like, you go to Lowe's, it's the same exact thing. That was something that was like really disappointing to me that I was surprised. Like people liked it as much as they did, yeah. but yeah. Uh, honorable mention goes to the West side belt squat. But I think when they came out, the ATP, Okay. Uh, I don't know the name, like the, the cable. It's got the cable. Yeah. yeah real yeah. big platform. Yeah. Huge. The yeah. footprint's monstrous. <laughs> it's heavy. It's expensive. Yeah. And then I think what happened is they were like the first in the space and there was nobody else out there. And then pit shark came out and like made like a good belt squat. And then, you know, obviously now there are a bunch of different belt squats and you're like, yeah, so this isn't really a viable product anymore unless you have no idea how to outfit a gym, in which case you might still buy this thing. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, I'd love your opinion on, on the belt squat thing. What's your opinion of lever belt squats? Yeah. So I've used the Sorenex one before. Okay, the J squat. Yeah. yeah. And I like it. I think um, some people will have problems getting depth like below parallel just due to the nature of the design. Yeah. Uh, I have a few clients that actually have a, a one like that. And I usually will have them stand on like mats or something. Mm -hmm. But I think it's fine for the price point and then for like, does it do the thing you want him to do? Well, what's your, what's your opinion on the quote unquote shearing forces present? Is that a, is that something like I hear like there's competitors like squat max MD who are always yeah, dogging lev lever belt squats because of the shearing forces. But is that like a thing that people should really even be like considering? Well, so you think about like, what are the forces that you're exposing to yourself during a normal squat and during normal deadlift? And there's shear and compression and, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. And I don't know that it's super useful going down the rabbit hole on like figured out the magnitude there. You just have to know, yeah, they're there. Okay. And by doing those things, you're adapting to that over time. Like that's mm -hmm. the whole idea, right? Okay. Like mm -hmm. you're getting, not only can you tolerate them, but you can thrive in those situations. You get stronger, more resilient, more robust, all those other sort of things. Mm -hmm. So avoiding those things is not necessarily the goal unless you can't tolerate them. Mm -hmm. But I don't okay. know that I would equate the the shear and compression of a belt squat even if it's the you know a lever belt squat or a j squat or whatever uh with the same ones that you're being exposed to in a regular squat okay, it, okay. it's just because it's, it's a different movement slightly mm -hmm. the squat max md thing is, is cool if you have space for it or whatever but the reason i like this one is you literally just oh you yeah kind of just bolt it there. it's whatever it's on it's the fine. rack do not take up any space yeah when i first started doing belt squats we just had a loading pin and so okay. what you would, and you would stand on uh, DC blocks. So d those yep, plastic yep. back and stomp. Um, Derek Crass, who actually made, he's, act he's a super cool dude. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's a used to, Olympic weightlifter, right? At one time. Yeah, so we, we used to, it's funny. We used to train together. Like at the, in while I lived in St. Louis, he was in the same uh, physician's assistant program as my brother. And oh. I taught, I taught their anatomy course. And then I would see him at the gym later. Uh, actually funny aside. So, um, when I was try- competing in strength lifting with the overhead press, mm-hmm. yep. I think my max at the time was like 122 kilo. It was like 269, whatever. And I, well, people were like, Oh, that's a good press. And I'm like, eh, I mean, my bench is 440. So, not really, <laughs> you know, and I remember I like, Derek, you're like an old timer. And he's like, what? I was like, no, I'm just, you've been around for a while. That's what I'm getting at. You're, you're, you know, Thanks. you've been around and you probably trained with some people who trained the press. You might've even trained the press as a junior or whatever. Anyway, how do these guys have a big overhead press? And he goes, they, we just cheat. And I was like, wait, what? He's like, yeah. So what you would do is you would clean the weight up and, and keep your knees bent and be leaning back. Mm-hmm. And, so, back. and then, and then you would straighten your knees out and straighten and, and thrust your torso forward. And it's almost like a power jerk. And I was like, huh. And so he taught me how to do it in like in the gym. Okay. And I immediately pressed 130, 286. Oh, man. And, yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. And then I ended up pressing, I pressed 295 in a meet. And then I kept, I never tried 300. I only would try 315 because that's really what you, that's what you want. Jeez. But, but anyway, it was, he's a cool dude. Yeah. So when we were doing belt squats, we do the DC blocks, a loading pin on a dip belt. Yep. And then we, and then we'd have a bar in the rack, like a Hatfield kind of thing. Yep. And then just do. That was the original. That's what everybody did until they started coming up. And that's basically the squat max MD is like it's basically a model that, you know, is makes it easier to do that thing. Yeah. But there's still shear force and compression there. It's yep. not like you're avoiding it. The only way to avoid shear is to have a completely vertical torso with no loading at anywhere on the spine. And so you think about where would the yeah. load have to be placed? It would have to be on your legs. You would literally have to have the weight, dangling from your thighs while you maintain a perfect, but then you can't squat because Mm -hmm. every uh, type of squat, front squat, overhead squat, high bar, ultra high bar, like, you know, even if you could rig a system to put the bar directly, you know, over your head, like they not an overhead squat, like whatever, you're still going to have some degree of of shear. And so if you have somebody super sensitive to those things, the squat may not be, at, at, at a particular load may not be viable for them at the time. You'd have okay. to try either lighter loads, different tempos, different implements, maybe even a leg press, maybe step ups, maybe lunge, whatever, like something to like that yeah. they can tolerate, but you have to work back towards the squat to get them to tolerate the thing. Okay. Cause yep. if you can't tolerate shear as a bipedal upright, <laughs> you that's problematic. That's, okay. you know, it's not the yeah. long-term solution. So, uh, in any case, yeah, all the belt squat stuff I think is interesting, but like our gym that I go to now has the old West side one. And I'm just okay. like, this thing, sucks. <laughs> okay. this, thing, this thing sucks. And why does it take up so much space? Oh, it's know? huge. Well, that's why rogue came out with their, their, uh, rhino, the monster rhino. Cause yeah. it's basically that, but it's like less than half the space and it less goes in a rack, space. just oh, goes in a small rack. And it's half the price. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Of <laughs> and it's course probably it made probably made better too. You know, hundred percent. Like, yeah, but the pit shark, the pit shark is much more expensive. But I do like the the pit shark, and I don't know if it's just the angle of like what the issue doing. with the pit shark is. You just have to load so much weight to get an effective dose. You feel like a hero. Yeah, exa- which is kind of like a good because you're like, <laughs> yeah, check out all this I'm lifting. Well, <laughs> well, think think about it like this. So think about if you have like low like a acute 
So short term symptomatic low back pain, right? Okay. And you were like, mm-hmm. you're like, Jordan, I can't squat the bar, low bar. I can't squat high bar front squat. I don't have a really good rack. Like I, you know, I just can't. Okay. And I'm like, okay, well, can you belt squat? And you're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, so that's where we're going to start. And there's this sort of mindset where, where in order to transition you from that to aka low bar squat, particularly at challenging loads, you need to be okay, desensitized to the squat pattern with substantial amount of weight on there. So I think it's an easier almost sell to somebody like, dude, I was just belt squatting like six plates per side. I can certainly squat 135. Now I'm not saying that's for everybody, but that's that's sort of mental warfare that you can kind of like play versus somebody who's like, yeah, I've just been doing box step ups with 30 pound dumbbells. And now I'm going to go try to low bar squat. Well, th- yeah, that's that's the human element, and that's actually mm-hmm. something I wanted to ask you about because oh, yeah. the the human element within strength training is like something that I think is sometimes overlooked because it's like we're always talking about what's optimal, right? Like mm-hmm. all you really need to do is squat, deadlift, bench, overhead press, and you'll be good for the rest of your life. But something that I always talk about, and I'd love to hear if you think differently on this, is like we're constantly trying to like help the monkey mind where we're like, there's all this different stuff like we want to do. And like we get bored of like, like doing five by fives for the rest of my life is boring, even if it's optimal. And I'm not saying it's not, I'm not saying it is, but if it is optimal, like there's a, like a thing about uh, people buying extra equipment for supplementary exercises, not because it makes it more effective, but because it keeps them on the track of improving and enjoying the thing they're doing. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. I think when you look at like adherence data, some stuff, reoccurring trends in there, uh, like most common is like enjoyability. So when people, how they self-rate, how much they enjoy the program. Mm -hmm. And so obviously there's going to be a wide, like human spectrum. Some people only want to do certain things Mm -hmm. and for whatever belief system that has been handed down or imparted or conditioned them to believe that they may thrive in that situation of what I would call like hyper specificity. They like, you know, uh, other folks are probably more open to the idea of doing different things. Uh, mm-hmm. Even a desire to do different things, they thrive in that particular situation. Mm-hmm. And if I was trying to develop, let's just say we're starting from a standpoint, the optimal program builds a wide, diverse set of physical attributes. So you have proficiency in a wide variety of movements, rep ranges, exercise modes, and you just have this huge base to pull from if you ever want to specialize in any particular thing. So that person would need access to a bunch of different equipment or things to do. It's mm-hmm. not just squat, bench, deadlift, press with no variation. We, although you can do a lot of different variations. And then, and the other rationale behind that is that if we look at like motor learning data, so how do people learn how to move? The theory we kind of subscribe to is this like self-organization theory where people kind of learn to move in a way that is most efficient, most repeatable, most tolerable for them. And sure, a coach is useful at like tweaking different things like, yeah, this is probably a little bit more efficient if you did this based on like a trained eye to the extent that that's reliable. Motor learning takes place more rapidly and more uh, in a more long lasting way when there's a variety of different movements, you effectively learn strategies on how to move by placing yourself in different postures and positions. Mm. So like if I was teaching you how to be a great squatter, it wouldn't just be the low bar back squat to the exclusion of other things. It would be low bar back squat. You'd probably front squat, safety squat, bar squat. You probably do some unilateral work Mm. and we're not not like working on imbalances or whatever. (laughs) What we're trying to do is give you different movement strategies that you can use 
because each rep that you'll ever face in your entire life is going to be slightly different than the last one. You're going to okay. slightly different position, slightly different joint angle. And if and we see this even in very high like elite Olympic level uh, competitors uh, and like weightlifting, for example, their start position on the snatch, the clean and jerk, the joint angle of the knee of the hip is different each time at 70% of one RM at one RM, it's even greater. And so, and, and, and if you use this analogy in other sports, you're like, think about the outfielder. No pop fly is the same. Yeah. You need a bunch of different strategies to like successfully complete the task. Um, and even further, you take this example to like, uh, uh, like occupationally, if you had a child, you don't have kids, right? I do. I have three. Oh my God. All right. So you have kids. <laughs> yeah. If you were training them to like have a successful future, you wouldn't specialize them right off the bat. You all give these them infer- a, yeah, that's a great a example. Based on different mm-hmm. skills that they could pull from based on their own sort of directionality, like what they want, what they prefer. So I think from an exercise adherence standpoint, yeah, you know, there's going to be individual preferences as far as like how wide or how narrow that scope is from a performance standpoint, you'd want at least some variability to again, generate different adaptations that you will likely use at some point. Mm-hmm. And uh, even if you have, even if you're a power lifter and your real goal, so to speak, is like one RM low velocity max, you know, performance, but in order to have the ability to get the most out of your training and to really pursue that, you're going to need a certain level of conditioning, a certain level of hypertrophy, a certain level of, you know, high velocity force production. You're going to need to train all of these different things that don't necessarily look like one RM squat bench deadlift. And then you finally layer on the injury risk data and you're like, okay, so there's a huge body of literature suggesting that overuse injury stems from doing the exact same thing over and over and over again at improper loads. And it's like, Mm -hmm. how do we fix this? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think, you know, having, uh, if you could have everybody have a, a a gym that they had access to with a cadre of different or quiver of different implements, tools, that'd be awesome. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's really helpful. Yeah. That's actually a different, that's a different answer than I would have expected from you. What did you, now I'm curious to know what you would expect. Well, I expected, you know, I think of like, <laughs> I think, you, you know, you were, and I don't know your total history, but I know that you were related or had some relationship with Ripito mm-hmm. and starting strength. And, you know, they're really like, this is the way you do things. You use a barbell, you don't use any specialty bars, you squat, deadlift, bench, overhead press, and this is the only way. So I was just under under the impression that most of his, and I don't know if you'd consider yourself a protege or anything like that, but sure. most of the people that had relationship with him, that's the way that they operated as well. And I think like it's encouraging to hear that it's different because I've always thought it was different than that. Like, yeah, I, th- I think you know, like me personally, I love barbell training, and so yeah. if you look at the bulk of my training, it's mm-hmm. barbell based, and I like powerlifting, so most yeah. of it's squat bench deadlift, but if I had to go back and do things over again, my earlier training would have looked substantially different. Um, it, and I think it would have led me to a better position now. I, I don't mm. think I have to make up for a lot of like lost time or things that I hadn't, but it's like, you know, even from this performance standpoint, I think I would have been better served doing different things earlier on in training to again, have this big base. And then if you take powerlifting out of the equation, let's say somebody's like, I just want to be jacked and strong and healthy. Right. Mm-hmm. 
and you're like, all right, well, what does strong mean to you? And they're like, well, I'd like to be able to squat this and bench this and deadlift this and, you know, ha have X amount of chin-ups at a particular weight, whatever. And it's like a list of things that aren't just powerlifting or Olympic weightlifting or whatever, just strength standards across multiple different modes. And you're like, yeah, you're going to do a bunch of different stuff. Um, so, yeah, I, I think if, if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail and like one of the dividing wedges was like, you know, it's okay if somebody wants to do the leg press, mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, like if you're, if you're, you know, one of your relatives was like trying to get into training and they were like, you know, Coop, you're the, you're the expert in our social circle. Like, what do I do? And you're like, you got to squat bench deadlift press. And they're like, yeah, but I don't want to. Yeah. It doesn't like, work in the real world. You're like, yeah, well, that's the best way to do it. It's like, is it though? Is it the best way? Because I can show you, I can show you data that suggests like similar hypertrophy outcomes, similar bone mass density improvements, similar, uh, you know, metabolic marker improvements. Uh, and then on the other side of that, is it best if they either do it or don't do it? And if they you don't know? do it, then the conversation's over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so you, if you think about like a, a guy like you prefers barbell training, well, yeah, a lot of your program's going to be related centered around barbells but if you were like honestly i could take early i like to do some barbell stuff I like to do some calisthenic stuff i like to do some hard conditioning whatever well that program's gonna look different than the person who's a bodybuilder is that's gonna look different than the person who yeah. wants to prioritize strength at as they get more and more specialized but i think at the beginning the programs are going to look pretty similar i just don't think they should be specialized mm. at all yeah. it's like if you want to squat bench deadlift press that's cool i know how to do that but yeah. even within that, I'd have you do a variety of different stuff. So like our, our beginner program, for example, lets people select their own movements training where the idea is we're trying to train all the major muscle groups. Right. And so it's like, you could train, how would you train the lower extremities? Well, you would squat mm -hmm. what kind of squat for you. It's going to be a low bar squat. Somebody else might pick high bar squat. Somebody else might pick front squat. Somebody else might pick safety squat bar squat. Another person might pick leg press. And you're like, well, when we're really looking at the health benefits, that stem from resistance training, is there a difference? Can you show me a reliable difference in any objective health marker over time? Mm -hmm. And then you're like, mm, the, the correct answer is no, you can't, okay. you know, but like I posed this question to somebody in that field that we were previously associated with that group we were previously associated with. I was like, all right, you got two twins, one low bar squats for a year, one high mm -hmm. bar squats for a year. The programming is the exact same for an entire year. The end of 12 months, you test their one RM leg press. Who leg presses more? No one knows. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I mean, because the low bar squat and the high bar squat, neither are very specific to the leg, to the test, the leg press. You, you expect some transference from each, right? And if the adherence is the same, the program is the same, the genetics, because they're identical twins, are the same. It's really a coin toss. And so then it's like, well, does low bar back squat really make you stronger than the high bar squat? Mm -hmm. It makes yeah. you better at the low bar squat. Mm -hmm. And to the extent that some, some, or even maybe most people can lift more in a squat using the low bar style, yeah. well, that's great if you're a power lifter, but if you're not a power lifter, yeah. what does it matter? Yeah. Because well, yeah, the, the reason I'd like bring it up is because anytime you post like some review of some piece of equipment that isn't in line with the barbell, it's like something different. It's like yeah. you get people on there that are like, just squat. Like that's a response. You know, it's like, like we did a DIY leg press because it's just like there's like people want to do fun stuff, you know, and it's like they want to like it's it's beyond like the optimal way. But like the response to people who want to do those things is sometimes just squat. Like, why don't you just squat? All you need yeah. to do is 
what you know and it's like but well, optimal, but optimal for what though so like yeah. my counter would be so check this out so let's say you know you're like jordan i just i want to be jacked we're yeah. doing it 2021 is the year of jackness we're gonna <laughs> do it baby. yeah yeah and so i'm like all right so we know that hypertrophy for example is directly related to muscle stimulation so you got to stimulate the muscles that you want to grow duh uh you nutritional status so we know we got to get your nutrition in check and then on top of that you know you're, you're generating this mechanical tension from training as evidenced by your stimulating those muscles and what's the amount of volume you can do so i say for all of that how much volume can you actually do that you can tolerate that's going to provide a bigger signal to grow more volume being in general better than less volume provided you can tolerate it so now i'm like okay you got two options option one is in a given week you're going to have 20 sets of squats 30 sets of squats 40 sets 50 sets whatever some absurd number right or you have 15 sets of squats and you're going to do another 35 sets of legs by doing the leg press which one is going to generate more fatigue? It's like, well, the one where you're squatting more. Why is it generating more fatigue? Well, you have way more muscle mass that you're imparting stress upon. Mm-hmm. Psychologically, it's different getting under a squat, a bar to squat something than it is to do a leg press. And then also when you think about what are the determinants of like, how many reps can you perform or whatever? Well, your low back might get tight after 10 reps on a squat, but you could do sets of 15 on the leg press without any concern of your, for low back fatigue for example. And so from that standpoint, you're like, is squatting better for hypertrophy? And in fact, when you go and look at the data, a leg extension actually tends to be a little bit better for hypertrophy with respect to actual measured muscle cross-sectional area uh, of the quadriceps, for example. It's not to say that the squat doesn't use the quadriceps. It does, certainly. But it's like direct stimulation without additional muscle fatigue that you have to deal with. Like hypertrophy studies, you don't actually see a lot of muscle growth until week four or five or six. And the idea is that the first four weeks, you're almost overwhelming the system with its ability mm-hmm. to tolerate the training. And so it's like, all, you're, you're trying to keep your head above water. And, and then a week four, you're like, I'm used to this now. Now I can grow. Mm-hmm. So that fatigue yeah. management is super important. So that's where like exercise variety, particularly lower stress exercise variety, may be beneficial to get the adaptation yeah. that you're seeking. Now, if you're a power lifter, I'm not necessarily worried like – what is the muscle cross-sectional area of your quadriceps? <laughs> but but you're just changing the context then, and it changes yeah. the question. So yeah. I think you know we, we gotta we gotta get your community more woke. Yeah, like, <laughs> there's there's, yeah. A, there, there's a there are appropriate uses of your time based on the context and the tools you have available to you. Yeah, if you don't have a leg extension, well, we don't need to talk about this. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you only need to do a squat. Split squats are cool. Step ups are cool. Yes. Uh, walking lunges are cool. <laughs> DIY leg press is cool. If you know, so I think all of that stuff has its has its place. Yes. Just depends on a person. I think the simplistic view of yeah, just squat is like it's very similar to the simplistic and reductionist view of pain. Like oh yeah, just don't move that way. It's like, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's a great okay. point. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, not to get too off topic, but that's. Yeah, if I if you just listen to the last like fifteen minutes, that's like barbell medicine, the nuanced take in a nutshell. Cool. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I like it. Trying, cool. trying to be dis- trying to be disruptors in the space a little bit. Yeah, know? definitely. Uh, any more any more questions for me, Coop? You kind of reverse this on me. You were like, "This is supposed to be a podcast about you." Like, hey, I got some questions. Yeah, I mean, we're here. We're conversational. You said this would be conversational. Yeah. Uh, what what is what's your opinion? You know, as a barbell guy, 
and as somebody who's trying to get people to move more and move better, what's your opinion on smart home gyms? On like tonal, the, like on the tonal, tonal or mirror. Yeah. Mirror, these, yeah. yeah. So I think a lot of those things, even if you took it back as far as like insanity or P90X or whatever, if you're looking at like what level of physical activity is likely to impart health benefits, all of those things would fulfill a substantial amount of the criteria there. Mm-hmm. All of them. And so to the extent that that's helping people move more towards this guidelines minimum level of physical activity that's associated with improved health outcomes, I think it's all good. My biggest problem with a lot of these programs are that there's no auto regulation in there, meaning like it's not, they can't really meet the people where they're at. So like if you or I do P90X or whatever, it's just like go until you can't anymore, go to failure. And it's Mm -hmm. like, Overall, when you look at data on exercise and like how does going to a failure affect your fatigue, the fatigue from a set to failure or exercises to failure is way out of proportion to the amount of adaptation that you can get. Mm. Meaning that, and so like even if we take this to barbell training, taking a set of five, a five RM, for example, is way more fatiguing than a set of five where you have one rep left in the tank. And you're like, but it's just one rep. I'm like, yeah, but the physical act of going to failure substantially increases the fatigue and then you got to deal with that fatigue so the resources that you're using to go into fatigue that that is basically compa- uh, uh, impacting your ability to recover to okay. tolerate training and to train more because the idea would be right is to get pe- more people more physically active mm-hmm. and so you're almost preventing that in a way by taking people to failure mm-hmm. and so i think to the extent that that's lacking from these exercise programs that's can be problematic also from like an injury risk issue like that's probably not great. Okay. But but if you take that out of the equation, again, you, you have these highly accessible, mm-hmm. many, eat, uh, judgment-free zone <laughs> kind of <laughs> that, lim- that reduce the barriers to participating in exercise because they yeah. can do it at home. They don't maybe don't need the equipment, whatever. So that's that's all beneficial. Yeah. Well, I ask I ask every barbell guy like that's into these things like what's your opinion on these smart home gyms yeah. and the response is almost always the same it's like uh it's just for like stay home moms you know but after you use after you use a tonal um it's amazing it's yeah. like it, it blew me away yeah i think people can meet the current guidelines with some of these things and yeah. exceed them i think that for people whose goals end up trending more towards like strength Mm-hmm. hypertrophy well yeah now you just change the context and there are probably better and worse solutions to get there it's probably mm-hmm. tonal is probably not the answer for that but that's not really who they're targeting anyway yeah i i and then on top of that okay so let's say you're in a pandemic and you are a strength hypertrophy minded individual and you have the option to either use tonal or nothing it's like well clearly tonal is better <laughs> yeah um and yeah so i think it's potential to do uh, uh some good but it's expensive Oh, so, yeah, is it, so is it really breaking down those barriers that we have to physical activity? Biggest barriers to physical activity are access to like safe places to exercise or cheap places to exercise, having time to exercise. Mm-hmm. Uh, people have a fear of injury risk. So doing something at home, does that really reduce that fear? Okay. I don't know. And the other thing, now you're lacking community. So you're thinking about like, I mean, the, the people online are a community, but like some people, the ritual of going to the gym, they see the people they know. Yeah. Yep. So it's comp- it's a complicated thing, but if somebody came to me, if I if like, and if I put my doctor hat on, which why don't doctors have hats anymore? I just like, <laughs> you know, I don't want like the plague mask, but I feel like that'd be cool. 
part of the uniform. I got my bag. I got the coat. I, I need a hat. Yeah. Um, it was like, yeah, I do tonal five days a week or, or you know, or, or, or some similar type of thing. Um, I'd probably put a checkbox by their physical activity. I'd be like, yep, yeah, you're, you're doing enough where I'm not worried about diseases or medical conditions associated with sedentarism. Okay. Like, uh, vert compared to if I had a person who's like, yeah, I uh, train three days a week with weights. I squat bench and deadlift each time for a set of five. I don't know that I would give them the same rating. I think that they're exceeding the guidelines for resistance training. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. But what about the aerobic training? The current guidelines suggest at least 150 to 300 minutes at a minimum per week of aerobic training. It's like, okay. all right, well, what are you doing? What's mm-hmm. your daily step count? How much conditioning are you doing? They're like, well, I'm not doing any because that's going to limit my gains. And it's like, actually the data we have suggests that it's actually, com- it's, it's impeding your gains because you don't have a big enough work capacity to actually tolerate this training in a way where you can actually make gains and also like your ability to train more in the future, which you're going to need mm-hmm. is being compromised because you're not really developing these cardiovascular fitness adaptations. And so, Good. yeah, so that's my nuanced take. You can Good. Yeah. No, I drop, appreciate that. <laughs> drop, that, drop that in the comment section and let the hate, let the hate. <laughs> cool. Yeah, can for you, sure. Can you imagine if you told your, your audience that um, maybe they should do more cardio? Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, it depends on the, yeah, it depends on the segment, but yeah, a lot of them would be like, what the freak, you know, just squat. You're a trader. You just yeah. got to squat. squat well, happens sometimes when we review certain pieces of equipment, like I'll review like a, like a treadmill or something, you know, and it's like, dude, why don't you just review barbells? It's like, man, people use treadmills. Like it's just part of the thing. And it's not a bad thing to move more to walk and stuff, you know? Yeah. I mean, I almost think if that's your take, if you're like, just do barbells and like, just squat, it's like, what's your cardiorespiratory fitness game look like? <laughs> yeah. It's probably not, it's probably below average and it, which incidentally is probably compromising your ability to, to lift weights, yep. which is what you really want to do. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think, I think it's interesting. Um, okay. What's, uh, what's next for garage gym reviews? Where are you going next? Yeah. Uh, we got a few things. There's something I've been working on on the site um, for about a year or so. I've got a web dev team um, where I basically want to make, I don't want to give too much of it, but I basically want to make a virtual way for people to show off and talk about their gyms. Right now it's segmented. The way people talk about their gyms is through like, you know, Instagram or Facebook or whatever, but there's not a place where like they can go in, give their opinion of the equipment, show pictures of their gym and like, you know, have some sort of like, for lack of a better term, social network within like this space. Uh, So that's something I've been working on for a while and we're set to release pretty soon. Uh, So working on that and just continuing to like improve our reviews, you know, sometimes it's like you want to do what's sexy and you want to do something new and better, but I kind of want to just improve the things that we're doing because I think there's a whole lot of uh, meat left on the bone for equipment that there is to be reviewed for YouTube. You know, that's something I put a lot of time into that I haven't really in the past. And so we're trying to up our game there. So those are kind of our focuses going forward. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, the, the social network part was going to be great. I mean, every other industry has this. There's car forums, there's okay. DIY forums, there's golf forums where it's like everybody's signature is like, here are the current clubs I'm playing, here's my handicap. You yeah, know? yeah. And it's like, it'd be cool if somebody's like, yeah, my current gym consists of this rack, this bar, these bars, this plates. Yeah, exactly. And this is what I think about them. Yeah, so yeah. Very I'm, cool. 
I'm working on it. Yeah. Open source it. I like it. Uh, and then where, so you mentioned a website, give people the whole rundown socials and whatnot. Yeah. Check us out at garagegymreviews.com. That's where I basically post everything. That's our website. Uh, if you'd like to find a, just video content on YouTube, garage and reviews on Instagram at garage and reviews, or if you'd like to be a part of like the most diehard home gym people community, we have a Facebook group called the home gym community. It's like 50,000 people. And it's just like the most like, you know, extreme home gym, you know, people just love like the stuff they talk about in there is like, so like, I don't know, it's just really dedicated. You know, some of the arguments that happen in there are like, man, I wouldn't even argue about this. And this is like my thing. So it's a cool, there's like so many ideas that get like DIY ideas, people commenting on quality of equipment, all this sort of stuff. It's a cool place. So yeah, check us out there. Cool. I will put all those description uh, links in the description below. Very thank cool, you. Coop. Thanks thanks for uh, spending time with us. Yeah, thank you. All right, that's a wrap on episode 133, Talking with Coop from Garage Gym Reviews. Again, all of his contact info is in the description below, so you can check that out. Make sure you give him a follow or at least check his stuff out. Tell him Barbell Medicine sent you. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we'll be back here next week. So wherever you get your podcast from, make sure you click, click subscribe. And uh, while you're at it, if you leave us a rating, uh, ideally five stars and a review really helps drive traffic to our podcast and you know if you feel frisky give us a share on social media or wherever you know you interact with other humans about the internet <laughs> uh no it really help us out i'm trying to move up the ratings here now that i'm actually looking at the ratings and i'm you know got some year-end goals for us to hit here in 2021 and uh yeah if you like what we're doing uh help us spread the word and we really appreciate you guys listening. It's awesome. Uh, a few other announcements. Uh, a newsletter went out last week. So, and we're going to do that for every month uh, for the rest of 2021. We had a little hiatus there while we were getting some other projects done. So if you are not signed up for our newsletter, go to our website. A little pop-up will come up there. You can sign up for our newsletter. It's not marketing-based. We don't just try to sell you stuff. It's actually just original content. It's not posted anywhere else. So if you're interested in learning stuff, you know, sign up for the newsletter. I uh, usually get all of our coaches to participate uh, and kind of revol- uh, go through them. So it's not the same coaches every time. And then Austin and I usually write some stuff for that as well. So you can check that out. And then also we got a new template, new strongman template. Uh, Alan Thrall and I uh, kind of talked about that on the last podcast. And we collaborated and made a strongman template. And uh, that's available over in the Barbell Medicine store. So you can check that out as well. In any case, we'll see you next week here on the Barbell Medicine podcast. Thanks for listening.